Hello there, and welcome to Production Wise, the podcast in which we listen to the complete production discographies of the greatest producers of music in the world to find out what their signature sound is, what makes them tick, what makes them so wonderful. I am your host, James, but I'm joined by your host, Graham. Hello, Graham. Hello, how are you doing? I'm marvellous. Thank you very much for asking. I really appreciate your concern. In this week's episode, episode four of series one of Production Wise, we will be covering the work of the great, late, Rick Ocasek. Uh, Rick, you're going to be hearing us say that name a lot over the course of this episode. Um, You're going to be hearing it so much that we decided to split this one into two. It's a big one, Graham, is it not? It's a big one. It's pretty momentous. It's momentous. Um, Rick Ocasek is probably best known as the one of the singers from The Cars. Uh, he is a prolific songwriter, performer, musician, solo artist. We will be looking at his uh, career as a music producer, and it's a pretty good one. Um, this is probably my favourite episode so far, just so you know, listeners. I just want to, I just want to put that out there. Um, Graham, who are we going to be looking at in this episode? Who are the, some of the artists that Rick is noted for working with? So in this episode, we're going to touch upon uh, suicide, bad brains, bad religion, Johnny Bravo, and we might even touch upon Weezer. Weezer. You're going to be hearing us talk about Weezer. It's happening. If you've wanted it, you've got it at long last. Um, as, as usual, we're listening to it all. We're getting into it all. We're going to dig deep and you're going to hear some crazy stuff over the course of this two-part special on Rico Kasich. So, let's get into it. The Cars, Door to Door, 1987. Sixth studio album. I think it's their sort of final album in their sort of normal heyday. They did release one last one in 2000 and something. Produced by Jackknife Lee. (laughs) Jackknife Lee, not a name I've heard in a while. That's interesting. Um, Mm. But yeah, this is probably seen as their last proper proper album, really. Yeah, a real album. Um, Yeah, what did you think? Um, no, I mean, like, like I say, you know, this is this is probably past the point of, of of their best work, and unfortunately, their best work I'm not familiar with. I think based on the strength of this of of the work that that we've that I've listened to over the course of this, um, and I think the the affinity and the fondness I built up for Rick in his music, I will be listening to to their previous stuff. Um, you can kind of tell this is not them at their best. No way are you listening to this album and going, God, what a load of rubbish, because that's just not the case. It's way too well-crafted. It sounds far too plush. Um, And the songwriting is just way too strong for that. Um, I think also the chemistry with the band, when when we come on to the the Rick Ocasek solo albums later, while those are very strong, what you don't have is the slightly more eccentric backing vocals and that feeling of there being um, a few performers putting their, their creative stamp on something. Um, 
some songs were better than others. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty decent. What did you think? I thought, yeah, it felt like a, it was a solid album, but not one I'd necessarily revisit. Um, mm-hmm. Everything You Say was a really lovely sounding song. That one sort of jumped out to me as quite sort of just it sounded beautiful. The guitars and the sort of yeah. all, all the sort of backing vocals and stuff. That was good. Um, and You I Are The Girl. the same way. Oh, sorry. Sorry, dear. Go on. Also, uh, You Are The Girl stood out for me. I am. That's a good one. Yes. <laughs> no, that, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah I think, what, I mean, I suppose that that's actually makes me think, what did you think of the poppier, more up-tempo songs versus the more ballad-like songs on this album? Yeah, I think, I think the ballad songs, if anything, were a bit better. I think, I, I think I might agree with you there. Um, but, you know, I, I, I get the impression from the poppier songs, it's it's kind of a no-brainer, and it's their natural thing to be doing, making yeah. these these very eccentric... I mean, the way it starts with Leave or Stay, with these kind of circus-like synths in the background, they've got this um, f- um, sort of carousel feel to them. They're a bit wacky, um, and Rick's vocals are a bit Brian Ferry. His, his vocal approach is very artsy and, and new wavy. Um, but I think those songs maybe they get a bit samey after a while. My favourite song on this was probably Wound Up On You. Um, again, another another ballad. I, and, and when you talk about it being beautiful, I found it to be so soft and tender. It's like a lovely bit of lamb. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, there were these. There were these kind of like cooing backing vocals throughout. Just these oohs that the rest of the band were putting in, and it really reminded me, strangely enough, of Loveless um, by My Bloody Valentine. Mm. The more tender, softer moments on that are so are so gentle and hushed. You know, on on the less noisy tracks, the backing vocals you get there have these almost. They sound a bit like. They're kind of half keyboards, half vocals, like they might be samples of vocals being played on a keyboard. Um, and honestly, when, when it came to the chorus, when it comes in with that, the hook, I'm going to sing here, um, when it's like, and I'm easy when you need me. It was just like, I was just walking down the street and, and I just I threw my hands up, you know what I mean? I was just like, Rick, you've got me. Already you've got me here. Um, yeah, but... Like I say, some songs better than others. So the first kind of band he really produced uh, is Suicide. Had you have you heard of Suicide before? Heard of Suicide? I think because band. I got yes, I've heard, <laughs> I've heard of Suicide in all its all its guises, um, principally the band. I'd not listened to them before, but d- did you hear a couple of years ago it came out? There was an album, but do you know that band Daughters? Yeah. They put out an album called uh, "You Won't Get What You Want" or, or something like that, which, in the in the kind of like underground metal, is 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 one of the few genre classics from the last few years, a, pro- a proper classic. And Suicide kept coming up when I was reading reviews of that album. Um, oh. I've always assumed that su- that Suicide would be this total bleak no wave kind of unlistenable noise that would that would always that's always been what my 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 thinking of them um 
And I don't think that's quite the case. I mean, did you know much about suicide beforehand? I didn't really know anything about them. All that I knew... Like, I'd only really heard one song, which was Dream Baby Dream, um, okay. which is in this album that we're going to... So this is their second album that Rick came on board. It's called Suicide, Alan Vega and Martin Rev. They are the members of Suicide. Quite a catchy title, I guess. Very good. Um, but yeah, that's all I knew of them was that one song. Um, but okay. I had no idea. Again, I, I like you, also thought they were going to be this hard no wave unlistenable experimental band so i was pleasantly yeah. pleasantly surprised me too um did, i i mean did you listen to the debut album did you listen to the self-titled album um not this time i have listened to it before okay cool um yeah i i listened to it i think i i thought that, that rick produced it and then i only found out a few days ago that he didn't and i was a bit disappointed because that was actually one of my <laughs> We'll come on to this, but the two albums I enjoyed most in the listening for this uh, were albums he didn't produce. <laughs> and, 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 and they were really like, oh my God, really blew my mind kind of albums. One of them was the debut Suicide album. That is a good album. Um, it's, it's just amazing. And, and, and it's am- what, what, I think there's a reason they went with, with Rick Ocasek on the second album. Um, and I think all they needed to really do with their sound was modernise it slightly. Because um, the first album's from 1977. Yeah. And what I think what's incredible about it is it is spooky and it is bleak. And it is it, it, it has got that kind of like punk danger to it. But it's it's not unlike an ambient album, really, in the, in the, in the way it sounds. But there's something about the way the sound is treated, the way it's kind of burnt onto the tape... Um, it's so pl- it hits the air that your ears in such a pleasant way, and so it does. While it is difficult and 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 can be inaccessible, I can understand what if you if you, listening to this album and and suicide's music generally that you might hate it. I think that's pretty fair enough. Disliking this band, but I, it, there's something about the sound which just gave me a way in straight away. I I I, I had no barriers to enjoying. Um, that first album at all um and just that mixture of that really eerie empty american landscape i felt on it with the really 50s american music influences like i had this real like i don't know it felt like all the songs were about this like legendary guy who who like wore a leather jacket in the 50s and he 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 did a motorcycle jump over a canyon or something (laughs) Um, and then he and then he, he blew up and uh, you know <laughs> and 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 everybody you know people sing songs about him and stuff you know people called Johnny <laughs> feel me <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think changed between the the first and the second album with 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 Rick coming I on think board? with this I mean with the second album they opened for the calves so that was their intro. Wow. And then he I said... I imagine them live. Yeah, I know. And then he said to them, you know, I want to sign you to my label. And I think he he, he must have decided, look, I want to like be a part of your guys' sound almost. Um, I think they wanted uh, Giorgio Moroda initially to produce it and have a more disco, dancey sound. Oh, but went for Rick instead, which is nice because it... it doesn't go like full dancey, but it, it's it's somewhere between dancey, spooky, dreamy, 
You know, it's still got a bit of the rock, but it's more like a bebop y. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I, I, I love those, those, those kind of weird, corny, hokey old American, very like the real Americana coming into it. Yeah. With this totally blank, just f- frightening aspect of the music. Um, just really hopeless, but oddly, but oddly like upbeat and cheery. I, it's so, yeah, it's, 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 it's so odd. It's such a weird mix of sort of the eighties club scene mixed in with just like middle America weirdness. Yeah. Sort of. I, you know, what? it's, it's interesting you say the club scene as well, because I, it, when I'm, when I, when I put together my big playlist of Rick Ocasek albums for this, um, I, th- I, I put, I didn't put the Alan Vega Martin Rev album in the right order. I put I kind of added that onto the end of the playlist. So I went from the 1977 album straight to the 1980 album A Way of Life. Yeah. And it was like you'd seen the 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 pilot for Breaking Bad and then you instantly went like halfway through series 4 or something and and you're like, "Hang on, what what's going on here? What's what's, what's all this about?" Like yeah. um because because like it really is it's the same band, but the, 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 missing out that 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 step between the two albums, all of a sudden I'm like, the singer sounds totally different. He's way more shouty. It's way more dancey. There's a lot more synth. There's a lot more. It more or less is dance music. It's very like primitive, frightening <laughs> dance music from from the eighties, played by a punk band. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what, what do you think? Instead of, I mean, I didn't know that they were thinking of working with a disco producer. Um, what do you think Rick brought to the to the to the Suicide Sound? Um, I think he just probably brought to them just a bigger studio, you know, and a lot, all the tools mm. from a studio and just all of his knowledge, his musical knowledge of how to translate their sound into something a bit more. Slightly less punk and raw, and slightly more, a little bit more commercialized, I guess. Yeah, I yeah, think it's, it's amazing how he brings a commercial aspect to this band. Is I don't, I mean, <laughs> it sounds like a completely ridiculous thing to say because it's so, it's so, it's so anti-commercial. It's not selling anything. These this band, but he's still giving them like a nice little sheen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. It, it gives you. It's a reason to dig into the album. Um, do you have something any, to listen to? Do you have any favourite tracks of this album? Um, I I did like. Was there a song called Bebop? Bebop Kid, so good. Bebop Kid, that was great. That had that that kind of carried on that that vibe from the first album, um, of the weird the weird kind of fifties fifties small town biker gang kind of feelings um, it's so simple and repetitive but so effective as well it's just sort of the song doesn't really move that much but it's yeah, it just great it just it just kind of loops round and round yeah. in this hypnotic way playing playing on these but it is kind of got that bebop barbershop quartet thing going on but it's also like I'm sure he says something about cutting someone's face with his knife in the lyrics. You know, it's just like, hang on, what? What did he say? Um, yeah, dance was another good one as well. I just, I, I, this, I think because these albums are half an hour or so, they're so short and they're so economical um, with how they put these 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 songs across. I think the only song I actually didn't like on the first album 
was one of the long I think it was about a 10 minute track and it went a bit it sounded a bit doors to me it sounded mm. a bit um who's the who's the bloke from the doors oh god I have to cut this out don't worry <laughs> Uh, Val, uh, Val Kilmer, that's him. Yeah, it sounded a bit Val Kilmer, you know, <laughs> um, to me. To me, it had that. It had that slightly more '60s psychedelic vibe to it, which I didn't like so much. On this album, it's it's just everything is just ruthlessly chopped. I mean, what's the longest song on it? Six and a half minutes, and it, it's great anyway. What What about you? I really like uh, Shadaz, and I feel like I had heard that before. Um, okay, it just sounds really cool. They, they on this album you also think hang on there hasn't really been another band like this this no. mixture of the music and the vocals and their energy and how they come across they're they're pretty unique which is tough really like you don't get many bands that are com- like completely unique i no, could sort of see their influence that they... and all the artists they influenced since you know a lot of modern electronica and sort of have definitely taken oh, no, from definitely. them um, and in fact, I, w- as soon as I put on um, the first album, it, was, it wasn't long before I saw what people were talking about um, with the influence on the Daughters album. It, uh, the main thing is the singer. I think as, as the discography goes on, he gets a, a lot more kind of like he, get, he gets a lot louder and shoutier. Yeah. Early on, he's very quiet. Um, and after most of his words, he has this kind of <gasps> kind of sound <laughs> he makes, yeah. you know. Uh, and it, that that just that that's on more or less every song on that daughter's album. The 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 singer is doing that stuff just constantly. Um, when it went over to a way of life, I think I may no sorry sorry not 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 a way of life because um, I, I think what what that brought in was was a bit more of a a, a bit of a harder synth sound, a bit more of a percussive yeah. synth sound. Um, it sounded a bit less analog. Um, I th- uh, why be blue was a really strange one because it felt like all it all it really did was add this this like swirling windy kind of blown out kind of thing going on with it like the panning was all over the place it, the 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 songs just kept swirling around it's not really much of a musical difference um, and that is um way of life to why that blue. is the the third album isn't it why be blue or fourth album yeah, the third, so, the third Rico Kasich one. Um, oh, did he not do? Yeah, he did Way of Life as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. no, yeah. So Way of Life is eighty eight, and Why Be Blue is nineteen ninety two. Ninety two. Um, so it's like shoegazy Why yeah, Why Be Blue, isn't it? Yeah, it's really odd. I, I, feel, I, I feel like there's more or less no musical difference between A Way of Life and Why Be Blue, except this. Yeah, this swirling, blown-out, shoegazy sound. It's strangely, it reminded me again of, of um, My Bloody Valentine, but do you, do you remember when they came back with the, with the MBV album in 2013? Yeah, um, um, I've never listened tr- to that. <laughs> oh, that's, that is, that's, a, that's a good album. That's worth listening to. Um, but they end on this... It's, it's like a... You know, there's the kind of ravey track on the end of Loveless... Yeah, um, this, this sounds a little bit Stone Roses almost. They kind of do the next level up from that at the end of at the end of MBV with a song called Wonder Two. Um, that has got it's got like a it's got like a drum and bass breakbeat on it, but again it's just got this. It sounds like it's just flying all over the place, and the panning is really freaky and 
yeah, I, I, it just, it just, it was a way more destabilizing album. But di- difficult to say. Oh, I don't like it for that reason. Um, but it, it kind of felt like that was all there was to that album. Just it's, it's more suicide with some swirly washy noises over the, <laughs> over the top of it. Um, I'd be very interested to hear their last album, American Supreme. I didn't do it for this for this podcast. Yeah, I didn't either, but I probably will now when we finish with this because yeah, they're a really yeah. interesting band, aren't they? I did feel like I in can't the... imagine. I was going to say, um, they sound a bit industrial in a way of life. It's got, got yes. a bit of like a nine-inch yeah. nail percussiony kind of yeah sounds yeah, going much on. Much more of a much more of a of a yeah kind of freaky S and M club feelings going on with that. I think on a way of life, the vocalist is they're, they're treated a lot more like dance tracks. Um, so the 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 beat in the background is you know it's progressing in its own way and it's bringing in a lot more guitar and a lot more stabs of synths um but he's using it he's kind of he's almost doing um a holly johnson thing you know he's almost doing a a frankie goes to hollywood thing where he's he's just he's just the front man on a dance track and he could he could kind of be saying anything he's just doing his own thing um, along with it, there's no real verses and choruses and things like that. He's just he's just doing. He feels a lot more like a live vocalist on this. What did you think of um, Surrender? Oh, I'm glad you. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you mentioned that one. Um, I found it fascinating, and actually, that's the, uh, it. There's another side to this to this band. Um, where they do make, I mean, Surrender that could be on a Cliff Richard album. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's beautiful. It, yeah, it's it's a, it's it's a really it's a really lovely song, and more or less just a traditional kind of American sweetheart song. You can imagine someone doing, you know, Graham, my darling, at the end. <laughs> um, it gave, but it, it, it really made me think Twin Peaks. Um, yes. You know how, the the um, I didn't say it reminded me of David Lynch because Tw- Twin Peaks is the only David Lynch shot I've ever watched. But but um, th- yeah, the, the the soundtrack for that being very 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 earnestly a soap opera soundtrack with all this synthesized instrumentation, um, and somehow that being what makes it frightening, um, and also the way that that very traditional generic music fits in in this horror setting um you know if if you were to if you were to put surrender on a um on a cliff richard album it would it would be a pretty unremarkable song but that it sits in with all this scary music all of a sudden it it takes on a lot more significance and you really feel the beauty of it a lot more and then yeah why be blue that was the only one that didn't really capture me as much um the shoegazy element was nice, as you said. It's very dreamy, a bit cock too, twinsy, kind of, yeah, you know. Yeah, um, But songs didn't really stand out to me on this one. No, it's just more of like a full album, I guess, as opposed to... It didn't really feel like it had singles or things like that. True, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was... Again, all of them all of them are enjoyable. Yeah. Um, and it's nice that you can say, OK, YB Blue has this thing that... M- makes you know that the, the, there's a reason to reach for yb blue over a way of life if you're looking for something specific um 
but it was probably other than those those washy shoegazy effects i think it was probably the least distinct even though you instantly know what album you're listening to when you put it on i'm interested to listen to um martin rev did a remix of the album in 2005 and remix the track at order and sort of i don't know it's given a different sound so i'm interested to listen to that as well and see how it okay it's different um that does sound rather interesting that's cool but yeah that's that's suicide generally as the band um but then he did he did work with the members on their solo stuff didn't he so yes um alan vega let's go for him satin strip 1983 that for me i was very much like whoa 1983 <laughs> these beats yeah, okay. are hard <laughs> this goes all in it goes in yeah um it was a i mean yeah i i, I i'm not i'm not i don't know about this about this album i mean again i i, I think what what um what you get with 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 rick quite a lot um particularly in the 80s and the 90s yeah, it's surprising that it's 1983. A lot of his 90s albums sound like 2000s albums. Um, and these 80s albums do sound a little bit more... You know, the stuff he's doing in, in, uh, in 1988 um, with the Suicide album, it sounds like it's kind of come five years earlier than, than you would expect. Um, so I, I, I do take your point with this, with this Saturn Strip album. Um, I'm just seeing Al Jurgensen as a credit on mm. this i'd never noticed that before um so definitely a big uh industrial connection um i, I did wonder those listening to this album satin satin strip who on earth is listening to or buying this <laughs> I, I i i you know oh God, you know have you heard the new alan vega album Oh, it's a it's it's a it's a big one that i don't know it, it's a it's a it's a very strange loungy it's very, again it's very, twin peaksy singer songwriter album it's pretty niche isn't it it's kind of like it's not really like a charting kind of thing it's more just sort of like oh it's released a solo album and 500 yeah. people have listened to it yeah and uh and, and and people you would never want to have anything to do with go and see him live <laughs> um, I would imagine. Um, th- I mean, this th- this definitely had it, its moments. I really enjoyed Wipeout Beat. That that that, mm. that appealed to me a lot melodically. Um, I don't know. What do you what do you think about this, Graham? I I, I, I do think so. the poppier aspects of the Suicide albums, the Alan Vega solo albums, and uh, the Martin Rev solo album, they're almost. I feel like intentionally unappealing and slightly unpleasant to hear. There's, there's not, there's not, there's, they're not very rich. They're these, they're these kind of almost self-consciously synthetic, thin sounds um, that, 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 you know, you don't go, oh, wow, really, really lush, even though they're quite um, instrumentally rich and they're full of, they're full of playing and full of counter melodies and counterpoints and, there's so much going on on any given track, but they've got this they've got this slightly thin, plasticky, unpleasant sound. And it almost feels like, um, particularly on the Alan Vega Saturn Strip album, it sounds like um uh, this 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 kind of postmodern anti-lounge pop. 
you know, that, that's, that's like, okay, I'm going to sing these these love songs and uh, I'm going to sing a song, you know, Je t'adore about, about this, this love, but it's going to be without being abrasive or plainly frightening. It's going to be unpleasant and 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 slightly uncomfortable to listen to. Yeah, it's like late night strip mall pop. Yeah, strip mall, <laughs> like it, Graham. <laughs> I like that a lot. I'll um, take that. I mean, did you think this was a winner, Saturn Strip? I didn't think it didn't feel as complete as some of the um, Suicide albums. It felt like very much a solo album where it had a couple of good songs. Uh, I would have preferred it as an EP. I Maybe. feel like the way about do, do most solo was, albums. Do you think he was missing Martin Rev? A little bit, yeah. Um, did, I didn't listen to the other album. I couldn't actually. I don't think I could find any hard enough evidence that Rick produced it. Um, uh-huh. I think so. I, w- I was not satisfied with what I saw. Um, but did you did you give that one a go? I did, and what I've written here is uh, two songs uh, sp- right. sort of spoke to me. Um, the Pleaser, I've written Nine Inch Nails, question mark, and oh. Gamma Pop, I've written, sounds like it was recorded in a cheese grater. So <laughs> maybe let's not uh, put that on Rick. <laughs> Your note-taking is coming on leaps and bounds, Graham. Um, I'm very um, impressed. Had a very cool cover, though. It looked like a cover of a 1990s sci-fi book. Yeah, or again, it, it, it's that it's that new it's that new pop star that uh, you, you don't want to be listening to. You know, <laughs> it's, a bit, it's, a, it's it's a bit like come and listen to my horrible album. You know, um, it's almost like it's it's just about disguised as an exciting new pop star, but also it's like where's his face? What's going on? What's going on here? Um, yeah, what about the Martin Rev solo album? Did you give that a go? Uh, yeah, that was kind of like suicide songs, but without the vocals, right? Yeah, more or less. Um, Some of them were reworks, were a... I think. Oh wow! Okay, I didn't, I didn't quite notice that. I just took it, I just took it for a walk and let it, let it kind of do its thing. Um, I did enjoy the little ambient intro. That was quite fun. Very, very nice uh, synth sounds. Um, and again, some some tracks were better than others. Some didn't really need. Um, some were a bit inessential, um, and some of them had that intentionally unpleasant thing going on. Um, but what I did find really interesting, and it and it is pretty consistent throughout um, Suicide's discography, and you get it a little bit with Alan Vega, uh, is this kind of like cowboy rodeo thing going on? Um, yeah. To the extent that one of the songs even had that dum 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 thing going on, you've got the 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 sort of bucking horse on the cover. There was that song Pony, which I I had had some old sort of like campfire song playing, but in this in this again terrifying Twin Peaks kind of world. Um, yeah, the the best bits I did quite enjoy texturally. Um. But again, maybe a bit inessential, this one. Yeah, nothing stood out that much. Although I think um, Red Sierra was pretty good. Um, I think that was their, their track Harlem. 
had turned into the suicide oh. track Harlem turned into Red Sienna. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, it was. You know, I'd listen to it again. Actually, it was quite. But it's just when you put it was it on, intriguing enough. Yeah, I'd work to it. I'd put it on the background. You know, I'd have it as sure. I was doing something. I wouldn't necessarily pay that much attention to it. Graham, we're very concerned about the quality of your work at the moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> seems to be you've just been listening to Martin Rev albums. <laughs> yes, and, and creating some very strange uh, 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 shop arrangements. We're, we're a little bit concerned. Anyway, um, yeah, Suicide, they're, they're, they're their own world. Um, it's I can see what Rick brings to it, but... They're such a, they're, they're such an anti-commercial band that I, yeah. I, I mean, other than bringing a bit of studio lushness, I, th- I think they couldn't care less about appealing to anybody. It's just, it, I mean, I, I, I just think it's fascinating that they kind of do, that they do make this difficult music that has that immediacy, and I can't really tell whether that's something that they just have naturally, and that's what draws them to a producer like Rick Ocasek. Or if Rick, you know, kind of nurtured that in them. So we're going to move on now to Bad Brains. Now, did we cover Bad Brains in a previous episode? Did Terry Date produce a Bad Brains album? I feel like he did. I don't think so. Really? Uh, maybe, maybe I'm making it up. I feel like I listened to a Bad Brains album. Um, you feel like you've got some previous with Bad Brains? Yeah, but maybe I'm just chatting out of my ass. you might be um yeah i could be i could could very well be uh but yeah he he drew sort of came along around 1983 rock for light their second album um what did you think of this bad brains rock for light now it's not the first time i've listened to this album okay um cool i because bad brains are such a legendary band um and they're so they're so pioneering in hardcore. Um, they, I mean, they, as far as I'm aware, you know, I'm not the most informed person when it comes to this kind of thing, but they really, they're the people who went that fast first um, in punk music. Um, I've never been able to get into Bad Brains. Um, I think sometimes with, um, I think sometimes with genre pioneers, I, I find that there's there's kind of two ways it goes. You've either got the genre pioneers where you hear them do that thing before anybody else and you go, wow, everything that this, this genre is, they were the masters of it, first of all. Or you get, oh, they gave other people the tools to establish the genre but they're not really part of that genre they're really doing their own thing and other people went oh i like this i'm gonna do it and then everybody else establishes that sound so i think for that reason bad brains they're they're a bit of an unsatisfying band because they're not thinking oh yeah we're making hardcore we're making hardcore punk they're just making the bad brains music they're just doing whatever they do they're not really copying anybody or um so so there's always something a bit kind of off about about their songs I find. Um yeah I mean it's 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 interesting production wise because the the majority of this are very very short fast 
uh, sometimes in amazingly fast hardcore punk tunes and slowed down dub reggae songs. Um, and I, I went from one album to this, one album that sounded amazing, and then I came to this and heard the whole hardcore songs and thought, wow, this sounds sloppy all of a sudden, and this is three years after that album. Um, but then it went to the dub tunes, and they sounded really big and smooth and, and right. And I can only assume that Bad Brains were that alien at the time that there was no set way of recording a band like that. Um, I think uh, Rick Rubin kind of did that with, with Slayer on Rain in Blood. He was the first person to take that sort of speed and intensity and give it fidelity. Um, so that that's a bit of an odd aspect to this one, where it goes between very nice, big, lush rock production and a little bit too fast and chaotic to be captured on record. Maybe a bit more of a live experience at this time. Yeah, I, th- I think when I was listening, I was sort of think, oh, it must have been amazing to see them live. Um, yeah, you're right though. The sort of dub reggae songs sound great, probably because you know it was more in his ballpark. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, it's just not in the skill set. Uh, I find it interesting when you go to the next album that he produced for them that they've they've started to slow down, and it sounds it sounds like a much bigger album. But they've generally yeah, started to lose some of their hardcore and go towards more like groove metal and stuff. Yeah, the groove the groove sounds were a lot better, and the crunch was a lot nicer um, on on God of Love. You know, there's more more than ten years have passed in between as well. So, you know, uh, hardcore as a yeah. genre is very well established by that point. And like you say, they're kind of moving on and you know finding what they are really as a band not not having to feel like pioneers the whole time um uh, that said i i found god of love uh, pretty unbearable to listen to i don't know about you oh really um yeah i i i I thought the the vocals hr um i again he's 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 a legend uh and I think what he brings lyrically to to punk music is, at least at the time, really unique. Um, but I, I found his vocals to be beyond grating on on God of Love, um, and I, I, I mean, there's a lot more to the the reggae songs on this one, production wise. Um, there's a bit more. They're a bit more in, interesting texturally. They sound less like you know your standard late seventies, early eighties reggae that you get on on rock for light but even still uh, i've i found them really really dreary and yeah i i have to say i've tried with with bad brains several times i think i just don't like them that's fair enough i they're not really my cup of tea i find the the reggae isn't as interesting enough for me sure they're kind of just like perfect reggae songs they're good but there isn't there's not I don't get anything more from that, and then the more metal kind of rocky songs don't really go anywhere. Like I didn't feel, sure. um, but I did really like the opening song, "Cool Mountaineer." Um, on, which album was that? On on God of Love, the opener for God of Love. Okay. Cool Mountaineer felt kind of. So I was getting a little bit of like, hmm, one day 
this will be turned into really good albums by Mastodon. <laughs> wow. This kind of element here will be taken and evolved again. Yeah, okay, that's interesting. I'll have to give that another go. Maybe that'll go on the playlist. Um, um, yeah, but, you know, they're cool. I, I found it cool to listen to Bad Brains, just because I never had. And, you know, if we get any more producers that have produced some of their other albums, I'll be interested to listen yeah, again. Yeah, I think, I think at, at worst, um, you know, it's an education, again. You know, if it fills, it fills in blanks. Um, it's kind of like... Sometimes, sometimes listening to albums like that serves as, as giving you the missing link um, with with other bands. You know, just I think Suicide gave me the missing link in a much more of a much more of a satisfying way. Yeah. Much more for me to get into. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, I don't like to badmouth a bad a, a band like Bad Brains just because they they you know they really are so legendary and you know so many people stand on their shoulders, but. Yeah, just, uh, it's just not for you, mate. It's not for you. Put me in a foul mood, particularly God of Love. Really, really. What, uh, <laughs> really what about this this next band? What kind of mood <laughs> did Black Forty Seven put you in? What kind of mood did Black Forty Seven put me in, Graham? Did you I listen to, to all of Fire or Freedom? I listened to all sixty nine minutes of it. I kept. When, oh, when good I man! How long it was? When I saw how long it was, I kept thinking, "Oh, it must be some bonus track version." You know, okay, <laughs> where, where's where's the real where's the real track list? Um, and I was like, "No, it's 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 an hour and nine minutes." I would love to know first of all what you thought of this album, Graham. Um, I listened to a couple of tracks from this album and had a feeling that you would listen to all of it. So I. <laughs> declined to listen to the rest you bailed out i bailed out i'm sorry guys this for me was the only real dud of the entire discography wow this was um uh, they're a weird band they're a very american band aren't they they are um well okay all right all right so if you only listen to a couple of songs maybe we'll come on to the songs that you listen to uh, as we go here but black 47 so my family makes quite a meal out of its Irish heritage, yeah. right? Um, you can hear me talking. I'm not Irish, yeah? <laughs> um, but some members of my family are, and lots of people uh, from, from, from many years back in my family are. So, so that means that we enjoy the Irishness uh, of, of, of our heritage and, and, it's, and it's something to be enjoyed and celebrated and we do sing little Irish songs when we get together and things like that um, so this, 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 this band it's, what are we dealing with it's, it's, it's Celtic drum machine rock yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, 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 um, it's, it's bagpeeps and 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 people coming in and, and singing fiddly diddly stuff. Um, and when it started, I was a bit like, uh, here we go. You know, it was a kind of a, uh, it was a bit of a, a, a big spacious epic opening with a, with a lady singing. Um, but very quickly, that lady is superseded by, by Larry Kirwan. Larry, hold on, I'm actually going to look up his name. Yeah, Larry Tim Kirwan. Yeah, Larry Kirwan. Uh, this is an evil man. Okay, this is a Fair. this is a this is a bad man. 
This is not a good person, Larry Kirwan. Um, his vocal approach, I noted as sort of being this, this, this unpleasant crossroads of uh, Robert Smith, Roger Waters, the bloke from Dexy's Midnight Runners, and Scott Walker. Okay, that, that's 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 not a, a pleasant gumbo. That that's 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 a, that's a uh, that's a foul broth. Um, and he's, I mean, he's in an excitable mood throughout this this album. And you know, it starts off and it's like, oh, here we go. This is this is this is fairy tale of New York or whatever. This is the Pogues. But rocking in the Bronx. Did you listen to that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, a a Celtic drum machine rap rock song where he's rapping about <laughs> the Bronx. So <laughs> my, 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 most most of this album, he's talking about being an Irish person who lives in New York, and what a mental thing that is, you know. Uh, uh, or, and, he, and so he's constantly talking about the banks of the Hudson and the Bronx and naming all these different streets and it's it, it, it it's it's like uh, is there nothing else going in your life other than being Irish and living in New York I mean is that is that literally it that you fill up an hour of and ten minutes of songs about it um, when he said did you listen to Funky Kaylee no Funky Kaylee. Funky Kaylee, every time he says funky in that song, yeah. an area of rainforest the size of Dorset is destroyed <laughs> and turned and turned into an abattoir. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 what 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 they also do on this album is is lots of storytelling. So what he's doing is, you know, he's he's talking about people's experiences, you know, so he's not only talking about his own experiences of being an Irish man in New York. God, I can't wrap my head around how amazing that must be. Um, but he's talking about, you know, previous immigrant experiences. He's talking about people of the 20th century. He's talking about people of previous centuries. He's talking about the, the, the famine in Ireland. That's what their name is, is, is um, comes from, Black 47. Um, and that's fine, but he does it in this way where he's not really singing he's just he's just kind of like going off he's putting as many lyrics into as short a space as he possibly can and these are not short songs a lot of these surpass five six seven eight minutes these songs that's why it's so long it's not full of songs it's not like there's 25 songs on here and it's an hour and 10 minutes there's only about 12 um and and, and so he's 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 with this sort of mad yelping scott walker robert smith energy in his vocals He's cramming in these stories about people drinking pints of pints of bitter and having too many babies. He talks so much about wanting to have babies. It's like, what are you talking about, man? Um, this, 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 um, this. There's a there's a the t- the the title track, Graham. I don't know if you listen to that. <laughs> it's an it's a Celtic drum machine reggae rock song. Reggae. Why, why not? Eh? Why not? Reggae, reggae, and he does a little Jamaican accent as well. Does he? He does a little Jamaican accent. <laughs> oh, right. So, look, I didn't want to get too annoyed about this album. Um, I wrote unbearable vocal performance. Okay, so look, and 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 the th- the, the thing is, uh, you know, this is this is definitely a Rick Ocasek production because they a lot of these songs. 
existed already. I'm kind of, I'm a little bit obsessed with this album, to be honest with you, Graham. Like it's really <laughs> on my mind a lot. Um, and the, 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 you know, I don't think there's any question that it is. It's the stupidest, most obnoxious album here and that's why it's getting so much time and me talking about it and i apologize for for talking so long and possibly shouting in a way that nobody wants to hear um but it's it's um it's not i i can't i can't say that i hate it you know what i mean um i i think i will listen to it again um and so it means I listened to a few of the, the, the previous versions of these songs. Some of the bigger tracks on here uh, are on a previous album from a, a couple of years before. Um, and it is interesting. That's when you really get to see what Rick does. Um, the, extra, the extra instrumentation, the extra sounds, the bigness that he brings in. Um, the way he kind of says, OK, look, 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 you've started off with this wonderful bagpipe melody. Let's leave it a bar. And have it bring in then, you know, kind of let, let's 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 give let's tease people a little bit with the with the lovely instrumentation we have here. Um, so there's no there's no question that it's that it's um, produced definitely, um, and I, I think they had their moment where where you know they had a bit of success with this with this album, and and that's lovely. I hope um, all those pioneering people who moved from Ireland to America, what? How did they do that? Um, I hope they enjoyed it, and, and and it was and it was a nice and it was a nice thing for them. But I, I I would say though, anybody listening to this, listen to this album. If you don't, honestly, listen to this album before you listen to anything else on it. I think I think this is a totally fascinating album. Um, I, I, I was not expecting to have this kind of relationship with it. Yeah, I'll definitely be listening to this again. It's awful. It's, ter- <laughs> it's just. Awful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you want to say anything about it before we move on? <laughs> I think you've said enough. I think we're good. Listen, you got to listen to it, Graham. You got. Yeah, to it, I will. I will listen to it. I feel bad now that I haven't listened to it. Uh, sorry, Black Forty Seven. Um, yeah, sorry about that. I hope Graham can. I hope. Uh, I hope Marco can chop some of that out. Condense that down nicely. I hope that the entire podcast <laughs> is just that, and he takes everything else out. To be honest. I would um, happily do a, a a a whole podcast on that album. I, yeah, maybe, I, I would I would yeah. happily talk about it song by song. Okay. Honestly, I thought it was fascinating. Anyway, so moving on. Moving on. Bad Religion, the Grey Race, hmm. uh, ninth album. Not, I, this surprised me. This is the, their ninth album. They had been yeah. going for a lot longer than I thought. Um, yeah. You know, I when I hear Bad Religion, I think Tony Hawk, um, definitely that kind of realm. You know, skate punk, yeah, very skate punk, that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, what did you think of this album? Um, yeah, but Bad Bad Religion, not the most exciting name uh, in 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 music from the nineties, I don't think. Um, and it's a shame, I, I, you know, Bad Religion. They're, they're, I think they're probably a better band than they're given credit for a lot of the time. Um, this is very workmanlike. You can tell, you know, this this is this is very this is a very well written and crafted and performed album, um, and they they definitely have for a skate punk band a pretty flawless sense of melody. 
You know, they're they're really really good at at, at developing songs in a very short space of time. Um, the the, the I th- I, when you mention Tony Hawk, I think when I when whenever I've heard Bad Religion in the world, I've never put on a Bad Religion album before. But whenever I, you hear Bad Religion songs, I don't know what you think of this. It, it's like it almost sounds like the song is halfway through when you press play on it. Like they 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 they're just kind of like they start and they're a bit unremarkable. They don't make much of their music. It's just you know with this with this bloke singing. Um, but I, th- I think this, what Rick does on this is really interesting, where he, he really gives these songs, he makes them songs, you know? Um, he, he gives them space, he, he draws attention to certain, to certain moments to make them stand out, to give them a bit of ebb and flow. He adds dynamics to what would otherwise be, you know, 90s, 90s skate punk, not the most dynamic um, music you would expect to hear. Um, it, yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty well done, well written, well structured, workmanlike album. Not very exciting though. I found it lost me somewhere near the middle or near the end. The first right. couple of the tracks, I was like, okay, and it's it's just sound good. Like as you said, he really he does gave it everything he had to make. Anyway, it sounds very punk rock. Um, you know, he, he didn't, you know, he certainly didn't give him like any like 80s sheen or anything no. from his sort of wheelhouse. He sort of elevated them. Um, yeah, it's, you know, my notes here, my notes for this episode are terrible. I've written <laughs> them and us rock on dudes. A right. walk. Yeah, man. And punk rock song. <laughs> pretty punk rock. So, what was my note for uh, for a walk? I wrote this one sounds nice with the harmonies. Great, That's a good note. yeah. I mean, a walk was was <laughs> for me that was the standout track. That was a good track. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I'd listen I, I, to it again, but it's no, good. I I, th- I think what the next few albums we talk about, um, they don't sound like they're from the mid '90s. I think yeah. I think that's that's the kind of that's the real compliment you can play this album. It could it could have been released now, really, um, or it could have been it could have been yeah. released really yeah. any time in the last twenty years. It doesn't sound like a dated album. Um, the fidelity is great, um, and but it also you know it's not like Rick Rick comes in and turns it into a pop album. It sounds like a bad religion album, it, yeah. but but it sounds totally vital and full. It's just again a band nine out nine albums in not the most exciting band for me anyway. Um, yeah, I don't like I don't I don't really like saying that about Bad Religion, but mm, what can I say? Um, so that was nineteen ninety six, and then again in nineteen ninety six we've got Nada Surf, Nada Surf, Nada Surf, Nada Surf. I don't know. Um, high low. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi low. Um, uh, their debut album, uh, I think with their only single that ever sort of made any noise popular. Yeah, and a, re- a really weird single. I love it. It's great. <laughs> I was, I was talking to my friend about it last night and he kind of, um, he compared it to that song, uh, Sunscreen. Um, remember yes. that song, Wear Sunscreen, you know, where it's giving you all these, he but, said, he said there were a lot of songs like that in the, in the nineties where it would be these like little it? lessons and kind of giving you advice with, with almost like a spoken word style. Um, 
And yeah, that be that would kind of do that you for album, a novelty hit. It's kind of like emo Lily Allen gives you a pet <laughs> talk. Yeah, that's um, what I mean. That's what we all need at the moment. Yeah, um, I surprisingly like this album. I didn't think I was gonna. Uh, again, it doesn't sound like a mid nineties. It sounds like, if anything, a bit kind of two thousandy. Yeah, it's very emo. I, I, I absolutely loved the the production on this album. Um, mm. I, I, I actually, I actually think. I suppose that's what I mean when I was talking about the Bad Religion album. Um, w- w- this is this is a you know this this is this is not a, a, a really complicated mad album. You know, it's a it's a it's a, it's a rock. It's about as simple a rock band setup as you can get. Um, and I really think Rico Kasic makes it sound. I don't think this could sound better. Um, it's 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 totally flawless as far as it's as as far as its sound and its fidelity and its recording is concerned. Um, it's dynamic. It sounds nice. It has drum sounds that are beautiful. I I love where the vocals sit in the mix. They're kind of really like dead center in the middle, slightly far back where the band sounds big and surrounding it, and the 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 vocals kind of just emerge out of it through the middle. Um, it's got it almost. It's got like an almost yeah. You say emo. It's got that kind of like nineties post hardcore emo sound to it, which I just I just love. I mean that's that's just the perfect rock band sound for me. Um, and it doesn't outstay its welcome either. It's like thirty six minutes. It's quite a tight little album. And what ten yeah. ten tracks like good. Um, yeah, I mean not not the most interesting or exciting album really. No, but it did but, make me think maybe I'll listen to more by Nada Surf. Nada Surf, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, I suppose that's a name that basically evokes nothing to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know I, mean? like, I, know, I know they're a band. It's like that band Mercury Rev. Um, it's like, yeah, I've heard of them. I have no idea what they are, what they do, what era they're from or anything. Uh, you know, One day Nada we'll Surf find out. could be from 1981. I, I've, you know, I have yeah. no idea. Um, but it was it was it was uh, better than fine. It was it was solidly good. I would say this album and and yeah, just uh, the production. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it more than the songs. I have to say. Um, and so this next band. Did you listen to this, Johnny Bravo? Then again, maybe I won't. I did. I did. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Mm. What did you think? I loved it. <laughs> Good. Uh, good. I I was yeah. My I'll tell you my notes and then we can go into the songs. But um, it, okay. it starts off with a song called "Grew Up in the Eighties," and mm. I've written those riffs. Uh, and then there's a song <laughs> called "Rodeo," and I've written "Who is this singer?" And then yeah. there's a song near the end called "Alien Song," <laughs> um, and I've written "Is this the greatest band?" <laughs> Whoa, Graham! Uh, this is this is this is probably the highest praise I've heard from you on the on these podcasts. Yeah, I think this was the this was a very surprising because who the hell is this band? Like, I've never heard of them. I'm not sure if they made more after this. I don't think but so. Really, I thought this was a really solid, silly rock album. Yeah, yeah, a little bit silly. Um, the 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 I, I I found it very interesting. I mean, again, the sound of it was was totally perfect didn't did doesn't say yes maybe stylistically it sounds like it's from the 90s but again the recording and the actual sounds you hear 
do not sound 25 odd years old at all sounds totally um i think there is a again outside of the songwriting the sound is timeless they're just rocks it's a rock band um and all you get on this versus the nada surf album is it's heavier yeah it's a it's a heavier guitar sound um what i found interesting on this one was was the nirvana influence um yeah sometimes very overt um and i don't know have you heard of the band loathe graham no loathe they put out an album in 2020 that that got them a lot of attention they're a uk band and i have to say it's a it's a it's a really phenomenal exciting album really really great band but about 50%, maybe 50% is unfair. A lot of the time, their melodic parts are so unquestionably deftones. Um, and, I mean, t- t- it is deftones. You know, it's not like, <laughs> oh, that sounds a bit deftonesy. It's, de- it's deftones. And, he, and the vocalist all of a sudden goes into a very Chino mode. And you're like, this is, this is good deftones. This is not you know just like copycat deftones it sounds really great but that it sounds so much like deftones it almost feels like immoral to like it right (laughs) yeah no i understand it really really gets in the way and i and i kind of got that on some of these songs where it's like wow this this is nirvana you know yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, it's free it's not like nirvana it is nirvana (laughs) yeah um uh, but in a kind of interesting way so many bands rip off nirvana and not everyone, not everyone does it like this, you know. Um, what they what they take from Nirvana is a kind of is a very interesting, less 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 um, uh, less plumbed bit of Nirvana, you know. Sometimes yeah, I feel like they don't bleach. There's no like angst in these songs that no. much. It's yeah, they've taken like the other elements of Nirvana and not not the like theatrical drama. Just the grungy no. bits, I guess. What, what about that singer, though, Graham? Vocals <laughs> <laughs> make me laugh. Love it. <laughs> what about what about what about him? Just because. So there was, you know, at first I was like really into this album. I was like, this is this is a nice '90s vibe. Don't get many of these albums from the '90s, and usually it's people making albums to sound like the '90s that, yeah. that sound like this. But this is actually from the '90s, the real '90s. Um, um, but when, when he, st- you know, the more he went on, I was like, he's got this like grunty Kurt Cobain thing going on with his vocals. Um, do, do, you, do you remember the song James at 15? Yeah. <laughs> James at 15. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I realized what it was after a while. Did you see this year, um, the singer from Puddle of Mud doing a cover of um, of About a Girl. No. <laughs> you have to watch that video. You have to watch it. It's, it's very sad. But he he's not as good a singer. He's not as good a, as good a singer as the singer from Johnny Bravo. I will say that first of all. But he's certainly not as good a singer as Kurt Cobain. As Kurt Cobain. And when he does the... Um, Fry, I do. You know, it's like... It's a painful thing to sing. <laughs> But that's the singer from Puddle of Mud. It's not the singer from here. But unfortunately, his vocal style did make me think more of the Puddle of Mud singer in that moment than he yeah, did Kurt enough. Cobain after a while. Um, um, so, 
Yeah, kind of. Maybe it's maybe I think maybe it did my head in a bit by the end. This album, yeah, fair unfortunately. enough. But it was it was pretty good. It was pretty good. And I, when do you think the last time anybody spoke about this album was? I don't know. That's what I feel we're doing with this with this with this podcast. Is 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 like we're talking about these things where people are like, "Why are you talking about dollar? Who are they? You know, <laughs> nobody, nobody's thought about them for, for 30 odd years. Why are you talking about them to 30, 32 year old men? Um, yes, but we, you know, we've listened to this album. No yeah. question about it. Yeah, it's happened. Um, it's happened. Okay. So this next band, I feel like this is what he's in his sort of producing world. This is what he's known for. Yeah, his seal. Yeah. Yeah, his seal. Maybe not as much as seal, because seal they, they seem to do a lot of albums together, seal and Yeah, there was that was Trevor. a lot. Um they and Weezer have okay, so it's Weezer. It's Weezer. <laughs> First place, it's Weezer. And they have released a million <laughs> albums. They're still going, you know, more albums than anyone could ever have thought um they'd ever do. But he definitely launched them. You know? Oh yeah. yeah. He produced their debut album, which is known as the Blue Album, self-titled. Yes. Uh, and I've written here in all caps, classic album, no duds. Um, it's my it's, personal it, opinion. Yeah. Cla- classic album, no doubt. I mean, it's... It's... I, it's of, of, of all of the albums that we talk about here, this is the classic album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of all of them you know it's it's the king of classic albums in this in this discography um like a few of the albums we've spoken about before this is definitely going to be a ton of people's favorite album of all time um uh yeah so uh, you you big big weezer fan graham i not a like not a weezer fan to the extent i've listened to every album they've Mm. ever produced um, but I am a big fan of some of their albums, and this is one of their albums that I'm a big fan of, if that makes sense. Cool. I'm probably a big fan yeah. of, say, five of their albums of the 13 or 14 they've released. I, much like Rivers Cuomo, I think. Um, yeah, the, the, the Blue Album. So, I, you know, obviously, I've listened to this album before. It's not, this is not the first time I've listened to the Blue Album. It's one of those albums. Um, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't like Weezer. I don't like them, okay? I just That's don't fair. like them. That's fair. That's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. Um the, the, the blue album is is the album of theirs that I've listened to that I've enjoyed the most, um, and uh, it's been ni- it's been nice to put it on. It's again, it's got a beautiful sound, um, and I think more so than on the other two albums we'll talk about, they really sound like a band on this one. Yeah, um, they don't quite sound so Rivers Cuomo. Uh, production, you know, it's, it sounds like here's a, here's a bunch of people. They they play together in a little room, and that's how they write these songs. Um, what the I, for me the best thing they've got going for them on this on this album is, and I've I've loved it since the first time I heard Buddy Holly. The way Buddy Holly comes in with that smoggy, polluted, almost like dreary heavy guitar tone while being you know while it being a, such a melodic song that that really gives them an edge that stops them from being nada surf you know um it's it, it, it takes them somewhere else and gives them a bit more power 
the the guitar tone on this album i just i just think is is beautiful it's incredible isn't it i it with like my name is jonas the opener mm. it's also quite it's not what you'd expect he really took out the fact that rivers is obviously into metal and stuff and mm. gave it like an alt rock twist without yes. the, you know they sound very this is the rawest they've ever sounded if very, anything their albums yeah, maybe their next album is a bit rawer, but this is, this album just perfectly showcases the rawness with the guitar tones, especially. I didn't realise I, I think... he did all the guitar, um, Rivers. The original right. guitarist um, wife was pregnant during the recording sessions and he had kind of a mm. bit of a breakdown and was asked to leave the band. Um <laughs> And then Rivers. Sorry, 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 guys. Uh, time to go. Uh, Jason yeah. Cropper, um, and he's later said that it was the right choice for him. So, okay. Uh, okay. But yeah, uh, Rick said that Rivers came up to him, and said, "Yeah, I'm getting rid of the guitar player, and I'm just going to re-record all the guitar." And he was like, "What are you doing? You can't do that." And then he said he just <laughs> yeah. did it in like one take. So fair enough. Um, uh, Rivers Cuomo <laughs> is very comfortable on the guitar. Um, he's probably the most comfortable guitar player I've ever heard. Um, it's it's the most natural thing in the world. His his guitar playing on on all of these albums. Um, he, he I don't think that I, I honestly I really don't think there's anybody that's more comfortable with their own playing with a guitar in their hand than Rivers Cuomo. Um, and his his sense of melody um, is is pretty unparalleled you know I, I i again this 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 band is not for me but I, I i mean i can when you can hear it you can hear it it's 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 so plain what a melodic genius um rivers cuomo is uh and he he always kind of i i think you know for better or worse he always plays within his his comfort zone you know he doesn't yeah everything he does has so much confidence and so much poise um, yeah, my name is Jonas. I've never got that song before. Uh, people love it, and I always, I've always thought, well, it's a bit of a weird way to start the album. But it was so. Ma- I listened to it yesterday again, and it really just made sense. It really clicked into place for me. I was like, ah, oh, that's what this song is. It's 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 pretty amazing. Um, it's the first time also I've ever gotten the sweater song. Uh, that's a great okay, song. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's you know what it is. It's when um, there's a there's a little bit because it's such a. We'll come on to to why I don't like Weezer when when we talk about maybe the other two albums. But it's a very Weezer kind of song. Lots of downstrokes on the guitar. Yeah. Then near the end, it does a kind of down now 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 kind of moment a few times. It's so cool. I love I love that. I love that. Um, I think. The build-ups in this album, that song and also the closer Only in Dreams, I feel like Rick mm-hmm. must have had a hand in saying, like, here's how we can take the song and just really put punch it and push it to the next yeah. level and sort let's of really make it, it dramatic. Yeah, let's perform yeah. it as opposed to just some songs that you made in your garage. Let's get you ready for, yeah. to go on tour. Um, yeah. Did anything yeah, else... I mean... Jump out uh, at you. Surf Wax America. Surf Wax America. Um, that's a that's that's a, a, a pretty great song. Um, you know, uh, 
For me, that's yeah. the only one that's like not not a hundred percent my my thing. Fair no, fair enough. It just for um, me, it sounds a little bit too much. Like, oh, let's just do a Beach Boys song, you know? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. I, but I mean, as as positive as I'm being, <laughs> not a lot does stand out to me on this on this album. Really, um, there's. You know the, the the world has turned and left me here. Is a very, it's a you know that, that that's that's kind of one of those oh that song kind of songs. Um, what's the other one? Is it a holiday? There's one that's got the really kind of funky guitar. That say it ain't you know? so. Say it ain't so. Yeah, that that stands out just in the dynamic range of the album. It, it, it's kind of like a very different moment, and yeah, it's kind of. And you know, a nice little song, but uh, you know, again, I've I've listened to this album a few times. I want to like it, but I don't. That's fair enough. Um, you know, I think for me, the sort of mix, the way he's mixed the acoustic guitars and then the sort of grungy, fuzzed out guitars in the world mm. has turned. Yeah, it just it's I it sounds so rich that's the thing he the whole album sounds so rich um and then also the way when rivers is in uh, no one else when he's like singing near the end and the sort of guitar and the and the vocals sort of are like twirling around in the song Mm. and yeah i just love it i love it it speaks to me um and and holiday it's like wailing guitars it's yeah i don't know it 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 weirdly does it doesn't sound that timeless for me. It does sound a bit dated. Like it does uh, yeah. sound a bit well, like this is a nineties album. When you mention the rawness of it, I think strangely enough, of of this kind of set of nineties alt rock albums, it is the rawest sounding. Yeah, the other ones sound way more polished than the blue album. Um, and I kind of I, I can't quite square that in my head. I don't really understand why. I don't understand what that's about. It's got the most production quirks. Um, like the the I don't know if you've ever picked this out in the in the mix, really, Graham. But the 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 bass drum I find on this album to be really odd. Like the way the actual the bass pedal, the foot pedal hits the drum. It's got this really I I, I don't know. It sounds like a I, I I can't quite describe what's so odd about it, but one, I think once you hear it, you kind of can't unhear it on this album. How odd the bass drum is, and I don't hear it anywhere else on these on these Rico Kasich albums at all. Um, the way that the I mean, you'll, later on, there are these this chor these choruses of Rivers Cuomo's voices uh, throughout all the rest of these albums, but on this one, you can really hear he's singing and whoever does backing vocals is singing. And you can, yeah, I think, you can, I, like, I think it was Brian Bell who replaced the guitarist, so his main contribution right. was the backing vocals and stuff. Yeah, it's it sounds like there's another bloke in the room singing rather than it being this like you know very very overproduced big sound to the backing vocals. Sounds so much more like a live band. So um, talking about overproduced big sound, that's I think the Green album is sort of the most produced rick's ever gone for for a band it feels right yeah maybe it's like super produced like it, it to yeah. me it feels like 
like there's no hint of of live in it you know it's it's very much like this is a studio you know this album was crafted in a studio kind of thing like i'm not like, yeah, did they play these songs before or did they just come up with them <laughs> in the studio i don't know <laughs> Yeah, I think I think yeah, it's the most studio sounding. It's totally airless, and I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way. What I mean is that that you know they're they're so uh, pristine all the all the sounds on this, um, and yeah, the performative aspect is not really there. I think the only bit that really sounds kind of uh, a bit out of the box and energetic on this album is in. Hash pipe when it does the when it's when it when it's not palm muted and the chords open up, that sounds quite nice. And the way the drummer is is hitting in those moments has has really really good energy to it. But yeah, this is much more pristine and and perfect. This album. Yeah, it feels um, like they spent a lot of time crafting it. I think their second album, uh, while critically acclaimed was a bit of a misstep in terms of people wanted just the Blue Album Part 2. And mm. I think, you know, with Pinkerton, that was more like a very emo kind of album. Um, I've never listened to Pinkerton. That's one of my... That's probably my favourite Weezer album, but it is very yeah. much, you know, when you think of men like Rivers Cuomo, it's a bit, you know, it's a bit cringe now to think about. Really? It, well, yeah, I know it's very much it like, controversial. you know, it's very like, woe is me, I'm a, a white oh. man. Um, See, but you know what though, I I I really think with Rivers Cuomo, I I think his songs are about nothing. <laughs> that, 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 I think that's a big problem I, I have I have with Weezer, you know, like the words they make sense and you can kind of pick, you can kind of you can you could apply something to these songs, but I really think they are meaningless. Um, I think I think he is just a songwriter. You know, he's he's a he's a mad scientist, rock songwriter, and for him, it's all about here's the song, here's the line. It sounds good in the song. Let's put it in there. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the idea of him having Pink, of Pinkerton being this really soul bearing album, I kind of can't. I don't think Rivers Cuomo has a soul. <laughs> I don't think he does. I don't. Uh, I think the the problem I have, I really think that that that. That he has no respect for his audience. I, I, I think he, I, honest, and I, and I mean this. I, I really think he has a very low opinion uh, I, of his I, audience. I think he maybe didn't in the beginning because I think he was sure. quite, his ego was out crazy. But I think I think now, I feel like now everything about him suits him. Now he's older and he's sort of. Mm. I feel like he owns the fact that it is you know very cringeworthy. He's a man in his forties, yeah. fifties, making rock songs about teenagers. But it's like a, it's a choice by this point. You know they're they're yeah. this creepy, uh, geeky band. You know, whereas yeah, back then yeah. when they were young, it was kind of like oh they're just kind of assholes. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, the Green I, album I, is definitely like a oh, you know, even the fact that it's again self-titled and. It's got another colour. It feels like they're really trying to go back to the Blue Album a little bit. Mm, mm. Uh, yeah, the Green Album, 28 minutes long, isn't it? Yeah. I, I Honestly, I found it to be a pretty long 28 minutes. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it, it, you, kind of, you kind of can't, you can't really criticise it. You, you, again, you don't listen to it and go... This is rubbish. You just that's just not that's not true. 
That's not true. It's too it's too well written and too well performed. It's too well produced to say that it's not good. Um, listening to it this time, Hashpipe, I have to say, back in the day when I used to watch Kerrang TV and MTV2, that song was on so much. Oh, yeah. And as soon, yeah. as, soon as I see that sumo wrestler's face, I'd just be like, oh, God, do we have to listen to this bloody song again? <laughs> um so, so I have I have bad associations with it. Um, I think Island like, in the like, Sun. I heard about a lot of that at the time. Island in the Sun was everywhere. Well, it's the song I enjoyed the most. Yeah, it really stood out to me this this time, um, and I think I didn't quite realise what my problem with Weezer and with this album was until quite near the end. When I talk about rivers being a very comfortable guitarist i he doesn't go beyond it's just like he's just strumming and changing chords just i mean that's all these songs are honest i i really really think that um and by the end i was like he's not going to do it again the the intro would come in there'd be a little intro and then it's like you can't just do that for every single song um also i've i found his his vocals were so pushed forward in the mix um and i I just don't like the sound of his voice again he's an amazing melody writer he he really really is um but the mixture of that with more of his voice in my head like I was just like, I, I can't listen to more Weezer. I think, a- and this is what twenty minutes into an album, you know. <laughs> I, th- I think he is like the originator of the modern emo whale. You know, sure, He's, sure. It's, I think you know, start with the Blue Album, definitely Pink Target, and even in this, you know, he he's just, yeah, it, it's very Marmite. You know, you either love it or hate it. Sure, I don't think anyone's sure. going to listen to them and be like, eh, okay. Like I feel like, you know, you're yeah. either going to really love them or hate them. Um, um, I think yeah, the first it, it was, four tracks are good. Okay, you know, no, I mean, I, I, yeah, it, I, I almost can't judge Hush Pipe um, because <clears throat> of its ubiquity um, in the early two thousands. <clears throat> it's probably the mo- listening to it this time is probably the most I've ever enjoyed it. Um, I really enjoyed the. It's a cool bit. Whoa. But uh, yeah, so yeah, it is, it is a good start. But I think, I th- honestly, I think you could, if you if you moved, the, the, if you played the album backwards, I think you'd have the same syndrome. You'd go, oh, this yeah, is maybe. great, and then yeah. and then fifteen minutes in, you'd be like, oh, for fuck, more of this. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, again, I, I I really really don't like slagging it off, but it, but I've really struggled with with this. It's such a short album to be. One, to, yeah. One thing I thought Rick added in. Well, maybe he didn't, but you know, I feel like he probably added in was all of the chanting and stuff. Yeah, you know, it's got it's way cool. more uh, backing vocal, back and forths and things uh, than yeah. the other albums. Um, I quite like it in Photograph as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I just feel yeah. like mid album, like as you said, you know how the songs are not. You know, he just like writes likes writing songs, but like yeah. Crab, Knockdown, Drag Out, Smile, they're just. I don't remember anything about them because they're just like, <laughs> what are they about? Um, whereas, you know, the, you know, the first couple of ones, that's probably why they were chosen as singles because they've got stuff, hook, little hooks and things that you can, 
remember at least. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah just, on uh, Island in the Sun, that little hoop, hoop is... Yeah, just that little moment. And I feel like that must be a Rick thing. Yeah, who was it? Yeah, was it Rick or was it Rivers? I'm going to tell I, you. I would, I, would, I would love to know. <laughs> let's, let's put it down to Rick. Okay, it was Rick. <laughs> But hang on a minute, you might find yourself thinking. They've only spoken about the Blue Album and the Green Album. But Rick Ocasek, he produced Everything Will Be Alright in the End, their 2014 album. Return to form, some might say. Well, we will be doing that in the next part. It's a bit of a cliffhanger, isn't that fun, Graham? It is fun, because we're going to find out if everything will be alright in the end in 2014. I've got no clue, 2014. Um, yes, much more to talk about with Rick. And there was so much already, I can't believe it. This is the episode where I was shouting about Black 47, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, this is that. Yep. It is. Sorry about that, listeners. Um, <laughs> but you might feel the same if, if, if you listen to that album. Um, we'd, we'd love to know. Um, and if you have any opinions on, on Black 47 or any of the other artists we've covered... Um, or if you've got, you know, worries about your local council or anything like that, please do get in touch. How can people do that, Graham? You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at ProductionWisePod. And you should really be looking for us on Spotify as well. Why should we be doing that, James? Because attached to each episode that we do, every producer that we cover gets the full Spotify playlist treatment in which we get the best, the worst, the weirdest, the most representative tracks, some of our favourites, some hidden gems. We put them all together. And I think if you listen to that and our podcast, of course, you're going to have a pretty good idea what these producers are all about. And to be honest, they're just really good playlists. It doesn't even matter who we're covering. It's just going to be good anyway. And the Rick one is is one to remember. Um, you'll be able to find us on Spotify. Also, while you're at it, please do subscribe um, I think also, I always remember people people um, on podcasts are always asking us to rate the podcast. That seemingly is something people like you to do. So do that if you can. You'll be able to find us anywhere you can reasonably expect to find a podcast. Um, usually this is where we'd say who we'd be covering next week. But next week we'll be covering Rick Ocasek once again. Um, but there's, don't, don't think, don't think that we've passed the best point because it simply isn't true there's a lot of good stuff to come i'm excited i can tell graham's excited by the look on his face <laughs> yeah and you can hear by what he's saying as well how excited he is <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you very much for listening we'll catch you next week we'll see you next tuesday graham won't we <laughs> <laughs> bye bye boomer lives bye